Welcome to the Arise Podcast. This is Capuchin Father Richard Owens. And this is Father Eric Banneker. And I'm Gina Christian. Where we explore Catholic life in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia and reflect on the Word of God as it speaks to us in our own day. Our guest today has been at the forefront of the new evangelization for decades. He's an evangelist, author, and biblical scholar. Perhaps his most influential project is the Great Adventure Bible Timeline produced by Ascension Press. It's also been featured on EWTN. Jeff Cavins, welcome to the Arise podcast. It's good to be with you, Father Eric. Jeff, uh, we are in obviously unique times in the life of the church, but uh, you know, a little bit of church history, a little bit of Bible history knows that it's not unprecedented either. Um, how have these uh, strange days been for you, and uh, how have you experienced them? Well, good question. Uh, when I first uh, realized that we were going to be in quarantine, you know, we were at the beginning of uh, Lent, and so our lives uh, hopefully had changed a bit in terms of our expectations of that 40-day adventure of Lent. My wife and I were down in Louisiana at the time visiting some uh, friends and speaking, and we realized that we needed to come back up to Minnesota to be with our family to to kind of help lead in, because we didn't know if this is going to be a month or two months or three months or a year. And at the very beginning of it, Father, I, I, I know enough about the history of the Bible to know that when you have a famine, uh, it's a time of trial. And Jesus in the wilderness you know, for 40 days is a time of trial. So... I set my heart on uh, what do I want to accomplish if this is what we think it's going to be, which it ended up being, which is a, a long quarantine. And so I, I told my wife, I said, I want this to count. And uh, my biggest fear is that uh, at the end of this pandemic, I will be the same as I was at the beginning. That was my mm. biggest fear. And so I started off on a I can talk about it now because I'm not in the middle of it, but a, 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 a three-week uh, uh, liquid fast and uh, substituted food for reading scripture and prayer. And that led into just eating vegetables and, and fruit. And so for the last three months, that's all I've had. And, and in the meantime, my hunger for the word of God has increased fivefold and my prayer life and my intimacy with Christ as a disciple, as well as my relationship with my family is all skyrocketed. And, um, and I know that a lot of people are struggling during this period, but for me, it's been a time of renewal with the Lord and particularly the scripture. And I think that one of the reasons father was that I couldn't receive the Eucharist during that time. Mm -hmm. And so as the catechism says that, that we venerate the word of God in the same way we venerate the Eucharist, I, um, I just started eating and feasting on the, word, on the word of God. So I lost 25 pounds and gained 25 mm -hmm. spiritual pounds <laughs> during wow. the period. Wow. So you, you did not let it go to waste then. That's, that's wonderful. No. That's wonderful. No, because I, I, you know, I, my wife and I were saying that we may never, which we don't really want, but we may never ex have this experience again or this opportunity again. Yeah. Tell me, um, you know, my, my experience as, as a priest, I'm a parish priest here in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia and talking to other priests, talking to, um, you know, the Archbishop even, um, there really does seem to have been a hunger for the word of God that became very apparent, as you say, during the, that lockdown phase when people weren't able to receive Holy Communion in most cases. Um, 
I, I was doing a, a Zoom uh, meeting on Sunday mornings at 10.30, and we'd have, um, you know, some, some weeks, 60, 70 people coming in from all over the country to, to participate. It was just sort of like a reflection on the Sunday readings. A lot of people were sort of listening to homilies from so many different people on the Sunday readings. Where do you think um, that hunger uh, is from? Uh, obviously, we know where it's from. It's from the Holy Spirit. But uh, did, did it surprise you in some ways how, how uh, prominent the Word of God was in that sort of famine time? Uh, yeah, uh, I don't know that it surprised me. It more encouraged me and uh, and and uh, pointed to some things that I already knew, which is that people are are desperately looking for uh, spiritual food in their life. Uh, they they hunger after God, and as Catholics, uh, the closest that we can come to actually hearing from God is Scripture. And and uh, I think that a lot of people were on automatic pilot before. The pandemic, and once this hit, uh, they realized that they they really needed to hear from God, and so I've I've heard a lot of people who have adopted Lexio Divina as a way of spiritual communion with with the Lord, and um, and I think that I, I think that, that a lot of people have taken this as an opportunity to introduce their their loved ones to Scripture, reading reading the Bible to their children um, on Sunday. Um, really listening to to the scripture and trying to hear the Bible as it relates to the pandemic. So, for example, a few weeks ago, we read about how Jesus breathed on the disciples. Um, and everybody kind of looks at each other and says, oh, you can't do that now. You're not allowed to breathe <laughs> on each other. And so there's the juxtaposition of breathing on each other with COVID-19 and Jesus breathing on the disciples and he gives them life. And so it's we're, we're reading it and listening in light of COVID-19 and we're finding new insights. And that's, that's, uh, that's kind of exciting. How, um, I, I think there's a lot of people out there, Jeff, who say, um, so look, I, I get it. Um, you know, I, I'm a Catholic, uh, you know, I have a devotion to the Eucharist. I have a devotion to the Blessed Mother, the saints. And I get it. We're supposed to have a real devotion to the word of God and sacred scripture. Um, if they were to say to you, uh, how do you integrate scripture into your life in sort of a concrete way? What are the, you know, forgive me right. for saying, what are the things you do sure, to integrate scripture into your life? No, it's a very good question. I have, uh, I have in my office here, I probably have 25 different uh, copies of, of scripture, including, of course, the Great Adventure Bible, which just came out. And that's something that we are really promoting because it teaches people how to read the Bible in chronological order. But I can tell you the, the, the process that I go through. Um, my wife and I meet first thing in the morning. And, um, and we have uh, the Bible, and we read the Gospel of the day and the Old Testament reading of the day. Uh, unless it's a, a feast day, then you have, for example, Peter and Paul, you have uh, Acts 12 instead of the Old Testament. But um, we do Lexio Divina in the morning. We're trying to listen to what God is saying to us, and we discuss it with each other uh, literally every single morning without, we don't miss. And so from that point on throughout the day, I carry with me a copy of the Bible in my briefcase or in the car, and I always have a uh, a copy with me always, and I, I take every opportunity I can um, 
like sitting in a doctor's appointment waiting room or I am waiting for my wife in the store she's shopping or, you know, grocery shopping or whatever it might be. And I can open the Bible and read it. And I'm constantly fed and asking the Lord to lead me and, and guide me. And so I have a number of Bibles that I, that I use. And I also, during, the, during this pandemic, I have met with my grandsons. I have two grandsons and a granddaughter, and I have met with them at least twice a week. And, um, and they, they love meeting with me because I've given them a Bible and they come with their little Bibles and we, we read together and I let them hold my Bible and, and I read, read to them. One of them can read for himself, the other one can't read yet. And so they're starting to grow up knowing that um, Papa always has a Bible and talks about Jesus. So that's the culture. And this is something that, yeah. that I, I would, a message I would, I would have for Catholics, all of us, is that it, it's, it's great to read the Bible. But what we need to do as parents and grandparents is we need to build a culture of scripture uh, for our children. Uh, evangelicals and fundamentalists and non-denominational Christians all do that sort of intuitively because that's all they have in terms of the sacramental is, is the scripture. But we do have the living word of God, Jesus and the Eucharist. But I think that building a culture of Bible reading and Bible study and meditation, uh, Lexio Divina, is something that is critically important and, and we now, Father, we, we've, realized, um, we've realized that if suddenly our churches are closed or, God forbid, torn down, uh, destroyed, whatever, I mean, at this point, I think anything can happen in the world. Um, what do we have? Well, we've got the Word of God to turn to in one another. And, uh, and I think that before a pandemic is the time to establish habits and establish a foundation uh, because a lot of people who don't have the habit of reading scripture were quite lost during the pandemic. Hmm. This is, um, this is a point that some people uh, have very strong opinions on one way or another. Do you write notes in your Bible or no? (laughs) Oh yes. In fact, I have a podcast where I talk about how to write it. And it's funny you would ask that because this is completely unrehearsed, but uh, I, am, I am in the midst of this last week of, of developing a marking system for people to write in their Bible with colored pencils and also certain pens that don't bleed through the, mm. the special Bible paper. And so if you look at my Bible, um, I have uh, three of them that are so written in. One of them was rebound uh, twice. It's so written in that you can hardly make sense of some of the pages, and that's why I had to go on to another Bible. But you know what it is, and I'm, I'm looking on my desk right now. I've got one, two, three Bibles that are new that I have not written in. And the hardest thing is the first time you write in it. You know, you don't want to make a mistake, but trust me, relax. You are going to make plenty of mistakes, you know. Uh, you're going you're gonna, to uh, highlight the wrong verse occasionally, or you're going to write something in the column and it wasn't the best penmanship. So what? Get a Bible that you can live in. And, uh, and I have, I have, I have I'm, I'm looking right now at a pile of colored pencils, pens, and, uh, and I think that that's part of making it real. For example, I can tell you what Genesis 1 and 2 looks like in my Bible. I can tell you what 1 Corinthians 13 looks like. I know where in the page all of that is in the notes that I have. I can pick up the book of Acts and I can go through all eight charismatic messages, you know, the proclamation of the gospel. They're all underlined, highlighted. I can teach from my Bible with the notes that I have in the, in the side, side column. I also have 
um, I've, I've proposed this to people that they get an extra Bible, like you can get an extra Bible, and uh, for your grandson, highlight certain verses that you're praying for your grandson, make a note of it in the, in the side column, uh, in the margin, and then when they become 18 years old, turn 18 or so, give them the Bible. And so for 10 years, you have been praying for them, underlining scripture for them. What a gift to give them. And that gets back to, uh, a, you know, a well-worn Bible is typically a, a more fruitful life. <laughs> hmm. I, um, I think w- what we've all discovered in these past few months is, is really obviously the, the blessing of technology. The fact that we're able to do this, we're in different time zones and we're having this conversation, um, but also the limits. Um, I think you know, there are a lot of people uh, who say that uh, I just can't read on a device. Right. You know, when I read something, I really have to, I need to have a hard copy. And if that's true of a William Faulkner novel, uh, I feel like there's a lot of people out there who would say the same thing about the Bible. Do you agree with that? Sentiment? Oh, yeah. I, I'm, well, I'm, I'm a little bit in awe because uh, the questions you're asking me are the very, very things I've been talking about a lot. And so you and I have not talked, you know, spoken to each <laughs> no. other about this. No, I agree with you. Uh, in fact, I agree so much that, uh, that I have a good friend, Hans Platt, who uh, he does surveys around the country. He's very good. He does them for uh, major corporations, and he tries to find out what's happening out there in the thought of culture. And he was doing a, a special in, uh, in-depth survey with uh, millennials, Catholic millennials, uh, on a number of topics. And I met with him and I said, I have a hypothesis and I would like you to add it to your study if you could. And he said, sure. I said, my, my hypothesis is, is that when it comes to millennials, when it comes to Bible study or devotion, <clears throat> they will prefer a paper copy and a well a very nice paper copy of the bible versus an app on their on their smartphone he says oh that's interesting so he did the survey nationwide and then he got back to me after about four months or so and he said jeff i said i got the results back and i said what is it and he said you were right in spades he said it's over 95 percent of young millennials would rather have a paper Bible for study and devotion. And if they want to quickly look up something like the gospel of the day, they'll use their smartphone. And I think the reason for that father is that we're an incarnational people. And when you can have a Bible in your hands and it becomes personal, that Bible ages with you. And there, I don't know what the, I don't know exactly how to articulate it to you, but I do know that people love things that age it tells their story and that's why the bible becomes an heirloom that is passed on to the next generation right behind me are two bibles from my grandpa cavens uh, i still have the bulletin in the same place as the, from the day he died in mm. there and i go back to that bible and i see what was important to my grandfather and the notes that he took and that is really really uh, really powerful. And so, yeah, I, th- I think that people do prefer a physical Bible uh, and, and they don't want the Bible to be right next to Twitter and Facebook and Snapchat. There's something, right. dif- there's something different about it. And I have to, it's like making tea in the morning with my wife. I, it's a process. I have to take time I've got to open the Word of God, read, make some notes. Maybe I have a journal that I keep with it. It's a very intimate 
uh, process that people are desiring. And, and I think that's why paper uh, stocks uh, like stationary are, are going up fast yeah. because people want to get back to, you know, when was the last time you got a personal handwritten letter from someone? <laughs> that, yeah. That's pretty, pretty unusual. It is. It's very meaningful. You know, the, I think, you know, since the Second Vatican Council, I, I do think the church has come a long way. Obviously, the, the, the entire liturgy is scriptural, but sort of making use of the Bible in, in daily life and in life of the church, I think, has become very prominent in the last 50 years, and which is an awesome thing. Um, one of the places I sense that we're still in some ways far behind some of our Protestant brothers and sisters uh, and you can comment on this, is um, someone told me about uh, a Protestant church not far from where I'm stationed, where um, their sort of youth group in normal times, obviously, um, they meet and uh, they they said, um, well, they're doing Second Kings right now. And I thought to myself, oh, I didn't get to Second Kings until like my fourth year in the seminary, you know? Um, and you know, here, here are these kids. So like, so the use of, of the Bible in formation of young people, particularly moral formation, because I think there's something about the stories that come alive much more effectively than some of the way that we do moral formation right now. Can you comment on that at all? Yeah, you know, the, 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 uh, the scriptures definitely uh, speak to the, the moral aspect. You know, in fact, that is one, one complete uh, segment of how we interpret scripture. You know, the church teaches us that when we open the Bible, we first of all look at the literal sense. That doesn't mean what does it literally mean. It means what was the intent of the author? Uh, what was the, the literature as far as genre, the audience, the language, the, the background of that, of that author, and uh, the customs of the day? And so that's the first thing that we do. And then we look at the spiritual sense of the scripture and we start to see the anagogical sense, you know, how it, how it relates to uh, the future, you know, and also the moral sense, how it relates to us, the allegorical sense, how it relates to Christ. So those are the three things we look for. How does, how does this second Kings episode here of Naaman, for example, in the, um, you know, being cleansed in the river, the, the Jordan, how does that uh, relate to Jesus? How does it relate to the moral sense of that is my life and my conduct? And then how does it relate to the future, the anagogical sense? So you have, um, you have a whole section out of the three that is really, I'm going to read this Old Testament, Second Kings, to find out what is required of me? What about my own life and my own conduct? So it's a very, very important um, feature in, in studying the Bible. And I think that young people are, are tapping into that now. And, uh, you know, there was a time, Father, where um, people didn't know, know how to approach the Bible in the Catholic Church. In fact, they were afraid, you know, I'm going to ruin it or I'm going to come up with the wrong interpretation. I think that's falling away and people are looking at it as more of what it is, which is a love letter from their father in heaven to help them become like him. And it's not just for the scholarly community, it's for everybody. And uh, we, just, we just need to give them some guidance on how to read it, number one, which is what I've dedicated my life to. I didn't know that at the beginning, but that's what yeah. it has become. And then uh, how to interpret that in terms of how it relates to Christ, my own moral life, and then the future. How, how can uh, small groups have become uh, a major aspect of 
Catholic life in a lot of, in a lot of places in the last maybe, you know, 20, 30 years. Um, how can a small group effectively make use of scripture? Well, that's a good question. Uh, you know, we have over the last uh, close to 20 years now, we have been uh, developing Bible studies with the Great Adventure for the purpose of small group. And the way that it works typically, and, and I think this could work in any any Bible study, it doesn't have to be the Great Adventure, it could be anyone. But um, uh, the, the people will read scripture on their own first, and they will they will wrestle with it. And we give them guidelines on that and show them how to wrestle with it. And uh, we write the Bible studies in such a way that it's, it's just on the edge of, oh, this is, this is kind of hard. Um, and that, that stretches people a little bit. And we let them know that you're not going to know all the answers. It's okay to say, I don't know. But we try to, to make these inductive studies easy for people to go through, but they do have to wrestle with it. And they write down their, their thoughts, you know, in the workbook. And then they come together and they hear a lecture, like from myself or uh, Dr. Edward Sree or Thomas Smith. And, and um, they hear that lecture, so they've heard it again now. And then they get, they get together in their small group and they discuss. And so it's the third time that they do it. So it's really in the small group where you hear from your brothers and sisters in Christ their, their interpretation or their their, their, um, their angle as to what this scripture meant to them, because the scripture is so multifaceted in its, in, in its uh, depth and in, in, in speaking to the audience that you could read Psalm 23 to 15 people or 12 people in a small group, and you could get 12 different insights as to what it meant. And so, uh, you know, biblical interpretation is not just a a private sport, so to speak. It is the body of Christ, and Peter talks about this. So uh, I can go. I can go sit in a small group, Father, with people who've only been studying the Bible for less than a year, and I've been studying the Bible for over um, almost 43, 44 years now. Hmm. And uh, I can get in that group with people that have been studying less than a year, and I can learn something. Hmm. Uh, I really can learn something. You'd be surprised at how many times I hear so, I hear a babe in the Lord, you know, a a, um, a new Christian in 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 the faith, and they say something, and I go, "Oh man, that's good," and I write it down, and it ends up in a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's the value of coming together with with people is that I have something to give and I have something to receive in the body yeah. of Christ. Yeah, it's, it's, in the role of Benedict, uh, Saint Benedict writes that. Uh, that the abbot on very difficult issues should consult the youngest uh, monk in the house from time to time because the young yeah, right. no, that's good. have I a like certain that. wisdom. Um, <laughs> so Jeff, as, as we wrap up, uh, you know, obviously the, as we've talked about, uh, you know, a little bit, these are um, very odd and difficult times for a lot of people in so many different aspects of life, whether it's uh, workplace, economic, um, the, the unrest uh, with regard to, to racial justice in our country, and of course the pandemic, which is hovering over it all. Um, what sort of uh, image or word of scripture would you do? You, have you been offering to people? As I'm sure you already have been doing this. Uh, mm -hmm. A word of hope for us at this time. 
Well, the the one uh, the one uh, story that immediately comes to mind as you as you ask that question is that in Israel's history, in 587 BC, uh, they were destroyed. Jerusalem was destroyed by the the Babylonians, Nebuchadnezzar, and they were in captivity for 70 years at that point, and then. Um, Cyrus, the king of Persia, after 70 years, allowed them to return to the, the Holy Land and to rebuild. And there were three waves in that, in that coming back and rebuilding. The first was Zerubbabel, who came back and he rebuilt the temple. The second wave was, um, was Ezra, who came back and taught the word of God. The third was Nehemiah, who built up the walls around Jerusalem. Now, those three things correspond with three aspects of the Catholic life. The temple would correspond with the sacramental life, the sacrifice, the Eucharist, Mass, uh, and all the all of the sacraments. The second is, is Ezra with the Word of God. Um, and so there you have the two major components of the Mass. You have the sacrament of the Eucharist, and you have the Word of God. The third is Nehemiah rebuilding the wall. In antiquity, you weren't considered seriously a city or a people until you had a wall around the city. And so as the body of Christ, we live among the, this communion of saints with people who are alive today, but also those who have gone before us. And so that, that really speaks to the community that we live in. So to wrap that up, you have sacraments, the word of God, and the community. Don't lose, don't lose contact with the Eucharist as much as possible, and the sacraments in general. If you have an opportunity, indulge, go after it. Second of all, the word of God for instruction and correction in your life. And number three, um, don't lose touch with the body of Christ. During a time like this, call your friends, get together and, and uh, you know, uh, um, you pay attention to the rules of the state and so forth about six feet or masks or whatever it is, but uh, get together. And that's what Emily and I have done. We've reached out to our essential friends <laughs> and we said, let's get together about what? I don't know. Let's just get together. And so we get together with a handful of people that we need to stay in contact. And one thing you hear when you get together is everyone says, I, this is great to be able to get together. I miss this. You know, so those are the three things I would say from scripture that it's like the rise of a phoenix. You know, it's the, yeah. um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a community that's been devastated. How do we rebuild sacraments, the word of God, and the communion of saints with one another? Well, I've been taking notes because I'm very uplifted. That's a, that, that's a wonderful <laughs> insight, Jeff. Good homily. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely, it is. Um, well, Jeff Cavins, thank you so much for your, your generosity and your willingness to to come on and share some of your very beautiful and profound insights, which are very clearly an expression of your intimacy with, with the Lord and, and through the word of God. So thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you, Father. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. You've been listening to the Arise podcast with Capuchin Father Richard Owens and Father Eric Banneker. I'm Gina Christian, and for more resources and information on the Arise project, visit archvilla.org forward slash arise. Thanks for listening.
This podcast has been a production of the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. Our engineers are Jocelyn Martinez and Gina Christian. Music by Johnny Markin, taken from the Instrumental Acoustic Hymns Project, owned by Essential Christian under the imprint Elevation, with an arrangement copyrighted by Music Services. For more information on the Arise Project, visit archphila.org forward slash arise.